Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's good to see you all. Okay, so last week, Kate preached a wonderful message on let the adventure begin. Uh, I, I wasn't here for it. I was actually uh, in Mexico, which I'll come back to. But one of the joys of this modern age is that we get to record it and watch online. And I went back afterwards and, and watched the worship and watched Erica's prophetic word and watched Kate's uh, preach. And um, I just felt the Holy Spirit stirring me today to just pick that message up and, uh, and talk a, a bit more about adventure and pursuing the adventure that God has for us. So uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to start with Romans chapter 8. You know, Kate, last week she had um, four Ps. The four Ps uh, were the presence of God, that the presence of God makes a difference in our lives. That the, the second key was partnership, that the Lord has invited us in, in with his presence to actually uh, not do it alone, not do it in our own strength, but partnering with the Holy Spirit to see his kingdom come. And it's his joy and his delight to include us in his purpose. Now, the third thing that he, she shared was personality, that the Lord doesn't just um, want us to be cookie-cutter versions of the same as everyone else, but he's actually going to bring our personalities, our God-given unique talents that he has put in us. He's going to mold them. He's going to shape them. He's going to take those that have maybe gone a little wonky and put them back to life. And, uh, and he's gonna, but he's going to use our partnership, our, our uh, personality to actually... Um, you know, to bring about the kingdom. And each one of us, as a result, has a unique calling and a unique assignment that the Holy Spirit has for us that he's planned for before the foundation of the world. Which is kind of mind-blowing, isn't it? That he's planned for you and I before the foundation of the world. The Bible says, Psalm 139, that before any of our days were written, uh, were in existence, he wrote them in his book. And, uh, and he numbers the hairs on our head. And he knows everything about us. Just a quick little aside. I did a little bit of math yesterday. You know, the, the average human being, sorry, Aaron, has 100,000 hairs. <laughs> but, the, um, but we lose 100 every day and we get 100 new every day. And if the, so if every hair is numbered on our heads, you know, I did the math, that's 3 million hairs that he counts for every single one of us. He knows us. He knows our personality. He knows who we are. He knows everything about us. And then the fourth key that she had was passion. Aaron, I feel bad. I'm sorry. I feel remorse right now. Um, the fourth one was passion, that when the Holy Spirit falls upon us, when he's, what he does, he births in us, is passion. The fire of God is the love of God. The fire of God, according to... Uh, Song of Solomon 8 verse 6 is the living flame of Yah is the love of God. The fire of God is his love. And so when his love comes, his love brings passion because he's a passionate God. His love brings purity because he's a pure God. His love brings purpose. His love brings promise. His love brings prayer. His love just brings a whole bunch of peas. 
And so I want to just take on this, this message. Erica then shared a prophetic word last week again about the kingdom adventure and the gospel of the kingdom breaking forth and the Holy Spirit moving us from salvation into this understanding of the kingdom. And this is the truth of the gospel is that we have come out of one, the dominion of darkness. According to Colossians chapter 1, it says this, that he has transferred us out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is what's happened to you and I. We've come out of the power of darkness into light. We've come out of the power of Satan into the power of God. We've found a place of forgiveness and therefore reconciliation with God on God because that's what God has done for us. And then he has given us a place to belong together that we are being transformed from one degree of glory to another in his likeness. So we have a great hope. And so... Today I want to talk a lot about pursuing the adventure. And I had four Ps, but then this morning the Holy Spirit gave me five. You know, I don't know if it's just because he wanted me to have one more than Kate. I don't know. No, I'm just joking. But uh, what I wanted to just share this morning was starting out from uh, Romans chapter 8. And um, we want to, I want to read from uh, Romans 8 verse 9 down to verse 17. And the first point I want to make, the first P, is that we need to understand in our adventure with God that he has given us a position. That we have a position in Christ, that we have a position in the Holy Spirit. So let's have a look at that. Romans 8 verse 9. Our position. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So let me just give you a bit of context. So Paul's uh, right into the Roman church. The whole sort of perspective of the church is that there was some argument between the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers, and they were set or separated. And so Paul writes this great um, treaties of the gospel and the last couple of chapters he's been talking about how we've come out of you know we were in sin and and, and we were without God but now we've come into God through the work of Christ and and that we are now powerful in him and that we have freedom in in him by the spirit and that we are in Christ Jesus there's no condemnation that we are saved not because of the good things that we've done but because of his grace And so he says this, verse 9, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. First question, does the Spirit of God dwell in you? If you're a believer in Jesus, the answer is a resounding yes. The moment that you said yes to Jesus, the reality is you could not say yes to Jesus without the Holy Spirit's help. And you were born from above, you were born again, and the Holy Spirit has taken up residence within you. And so you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Notice it's the spirit of the Father and the spirit of the Son. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of God on the inside of us. He dwells in us. And so whether you uh, feel his presence or not, whether you're conscious of him or not, the truth of the matter is you are and I am in the spirit. It's not based on our ability to be in prayer and, and in worship and, 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 and pray. And you know, when we're at church on Sunday mornings, then we're in the spirit. But when we go to work, we lose the spirit and we've got to find the spirit again. And, and gosh, I really hope I can find the spirit again. But gosh, you've got to get back to church on Sunday. Then I'll find him again. That's not how he works. The Bible's very clear. It says that if you, are, uh, if you are in, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, if you have the Spirit, you have the Spirit of Christ in you, you are in the Spirit. 
The only time that you don't have Christ, the Spirit of Christ dwelling in you, is when that you are not actually believing in Jesus. And so we have the Spirit. Our position in God is that we are full of the Spirit. The Spirit dwells in us. Verse 10 says this, but if Christ is in you, is Christ in you? Amen. If, if the, Bible, the Bible says that Christ in us is the hope of glory, our salvation is that we've come out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved, but not just into a realm of the kingdom, but the king himself dwells on the inside of us. Colossians uh, 1.27, Christ in us is the hope of glory, that we've been put into Christ and Christ has been put into us. There's that mutual indwelling together. So we are in Christ Jesus together. Our position is that we're in Christ Jesus, in the Spirit, dwelling in the Spirit with God dwelling within us. So verse 11, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Basically what he's talking about is, is this, which we'll look at in a minute, this battle between our old nature, which is before we knew Jesus, which was you know, wrapped up in sin, and our new nature that we've been given, a nature that is Christ's nature. We've come out of, the, 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 in a sense, we've come out of the race of Adam, Calls, you know, enslaved to sin, and we've come into a new Jesus humanity. That we're new Jesus people bearing his image. And so the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, that very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that dwells in you and I. And even though we're aware of our shortcomings and the battle against sin, he's going to give us uh, the spirit to dwell in us to give us life and power and victory over the sinful nature on the inside of us. Because we have a new nature. So Paul goes on to say in verse 12, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Where are we? Where are we? We're in the Spirit. Thank you. Someone's listening. Awesome. We're in the Spirit. We're in Christ Jesus, the Spirit in us. By the Spirit we put to death the deeds of the body we will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, which includes daughters as well. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Wow, what a great passage of scripture. So here's our, the first thing for us in our adventure is we need to understand our position. And our position is this, that we are seated in Christ. That Christ is in us and that we are in Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 6 says this, that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Christ is at the right hand of the Father. You and I, we sit at the right hand of the Father. So the first thing we need to understand about our position is that our heavenly rank is this rank of Jesus because we're sitting with Christ in the heavenly places. And so, yes, we have an enemy, but our God 
Our position in Christ is that Jesus himself has been lifted above all principality and power and ruler and dominion and name and throne and every name that can be named. And guess where we are? We're seated with him in the heavenly places. So we're far above those things. The only way that the enemy has any access towards us is when we allow him to have access to us by not putting off the old. And I'll come back to that in a minute. But we are in Christ Jesus. We are powerful in Christ. We're seated with him. And he has overcome the strong man, is what the Bible says. He calls the devil the strong man. But actually, God in Christ Jesus has overcome the strong man, has disarmed him of all of his powers. And he's disarmed the power of sin. And he's disarmed the power of death. And he's disarmed the power of the enemy. And he's disarmed the power of the world. He's disarmed it all for your and my benefit. And we're now in Christ Jesus, seated with him far above all principalities and powers and every name that can be named. So we're in Christ. Whether you feel it or not, doesn't really matter. It's an issue of faith. It's what the Bible says. It's what the Word of God says that we are now in Christ. But not only are we in Christ, because we're in Christ, the Spirit of Christ dwells on the inside of us. You can smile about that. Because I don't know if you know the Holy Spirit, but he's the operative power of heaven. You know, he's the nuclear bomb of heaven. He's the power of God, and he's dwelling on the inside of you and I. And here's the thing, like I said before, that the Spirit of God dwells in us. If we're in Christ, the Spirit of God dwells in us, and therefore we have the Spirit wherever we go, whether we feel him or not. What does that mean? Well, our position in Christ means that when we're going through some difficult times at work, We have the Spirit of God with us. When we have a situation in our workplace where we have a problem that we can't overcome, maybe we need a new contract, or maybe we need some more revenue, maybe we've got this particular uh, challenge with a customer, maybe we're doing a a graduate, we're at university somewhere, and we've got a particular problem that we can't get through or work out, or maybe we're a mother at home and we're looking after our children and there's a great adventure looking after children and we just don't know what to do. The Spirit of God, our position in Christ, is here for us to release the life of heaven all around us. So our position is with Him. And uh, because we're with Him, we're sons of God. And our nature is therefore, because we're sons, is to be led by the Spirit of God. It should be easier for us to be led by the Spirit of God than to be led by our flesh. Now, I have to make a confession to you. Shock horror. Sometimes I'm easily led by my flesh and it's much more hard to be led by the Spirit. But the Spirit of God is working on the inside of me and in you because his purpose and his destiny was for you and I to be conformed to his image. And so he's transforming us and making us like him and allowing us to be led by the Spirit and increasing our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. He wants to upgrade our senses. So we're to to remember as we pursue the adventure, we're to remember our position but the other thing that it says in this scripture in verse 13 is if, you, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so this is the reality of the Christian life is that we have, when we said yes to Jesus, we've come into a whole new nature. The Bible says that we, have, uh, we are born again and we become new creations. We are Jesus' people, no longer like the rest of humanity under sin. But there is a little bit of a tussle. I don't know if you've experienced that before. 
You know, there's some things that you know that you want to do, but you just can't help but doing the other thing. Like, you know, sometimes you just get overcome by fear or anxiety, or sometimes you get so full of pride and you're like, what am I doing? So what Paul's saying here is by the Spirit, put to death the misdeeds of the body, put to death those things by the Spirit. Which is, it means this, it means this very simply. There's two dimensions to that. The first dimension is in the moment that you're about to get tempted, access the Holy Spirit to say, no, I'm not doing that. Right? The other thing about that, the second thing to do is when the moment that we get tempted and if we fall into temptation, we go back to the Holy Spirit and say, hey, Holy Spirit, there's something deep on the inside of me that needs to be transformed. Would you deal with the inside of me? Would you come in and heal my heart? That's why we have such a value on things like you know, our Freedom Night and restoring the foundations and, and, and heart sync and other things because we want you to deal with the issues of your heart because those are the things that are blocking us from living the true life. And so we're to put to death the deeds of the body. But through the Bible, through the New Testament, there's this, this concept, this idea of putting off and putting on. Um, I did a simple study yesterday uh, about this and you know, I recommend that you would you know, go on to things like BibleHub.com or Blue Letter Bible or something just to kind of help you get a little bit more into the Word of God and, and understand it. But I just did a, a study of the Greek word to put off and then a Greek word to put on. And here's the good news. The good news is only seven things, categories to put off and there's 14 good things to put on. Right? And so what are we to put off? We're to put off, like a, take, take off like a clothes, like you're getting undressed, take, but I won't for your sake. Um, <laughs> it's to put off the deeds of darkness. It's to put off the old self, which is corrupted by, dis, by lusts of deceit. It's to put off falsehood, lying, lies, the fake image of who we are, to put off idolatry. It's to put off anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech. It's to put off every hindrance and the sin that clings so closely. It's to put off filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. It's to put off all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Those aren't my words, that's right out of the Bible. How are you doing with putting off? How are you doing putting off with slander and gossip and filthiness and every hindrance and falsehood? And how are you doing with putting them off? By the Spirit, put to death the misdeeds, the deeds of the body. It's not about toughing it out, trying to work up really hard to get that, you know, those deeds off to, to kind of really use our willpower. Why use your willpower when you've got the nuclear bomb of heaven to help you set you free? And when your very nature has changed, where you've gone from a battle that you couldn't win now into a battle that you can't lose because the Spirit of Christ on the inside of you has transformed your whole identity. Ah. So what are you to put on? Well, the word to put on, it's an interesting word. It actually, it's a combination of two words and it means it's like a combination of into and sink, as in, not the kitchen sink, but as in sink, right? Sink down into it. And so what are you, when, we, when the Bible says to put on, what, it, what it's saying is to sink back, to lean back into your true identity and who God's called you to be. Your old self is just a shadow of you, but your new self, the truth of who you are, is something that we get to sink back into. And what are we to sink into? Well, according to the parable uh, in Luke 15 of the prodigal son, the first thing we get to sink into is the father's robe of acceptance. 
Okay, just sink into that robe right now. That you are accepted in him, that he loves you. What else are we to sink into? Well, Luke 24, we're to sink in to the power from on high, the Holy Spirit. You know you can sink into the Holy Spirit? How would it be if we sunk into the Holy Spirit so deep that we got lost? And all you could see was the Holy Spirit. Come on. We're to put on or sink into the armor. The Bible, there's different passages that talk about the armor of light. That sink into the full armor of God. Sink into the blessed breast, the breast plate whew, of righteousness. Sink into the breastplate of faith and love. Sink into the helmet of the hope of salvation. Sink in. Goes on to say, sink into the Lord Jesus. Sink into the Lord. In fact, Galatians chapter 2, it says, he, he who has been baptized has been clothed with Christ, has put on Christ. If you haven't been baptized, it's a symbol of being clothed with Christ. It's the reality. I really want to encourage you to be baptized. Sink into Christ. Put on, sink into your new self. Talks in a couple of different passages about being created in the likeness of God, in righteousness and holiness of the truth. This is your new self, that you are created in the likeness of God. You bear the image of Jesus, the man from heaven. You bear his likeness. You carry his righteousness. You carry his holiness. You carry the truth in you. Sink into the new self of being renewed in your mind, in your knowledge, after the image of the Creator. Sink into the reality of who you are. Don't settle to be stuck in your old self. And then finally, sink into the heart of compassion, of kindness, of humility, of gentleness, of patience. Part of our adventure that the Lord has got us on is to actually learn to live in a way that is ever-increasing purity of, by the Spirit and of the Spirit. So that we don't dis diminish our witness. We don't grieve the Spirit of God when we're at work or when we're at home or whatever we're doing. We don't grieve Him by our ugly attitude or our slander or our gossip or our hatred or our malice. But that we actually bring life and glory to Him because we shine like stars in the world as we hold forth the word of light as it says in Philippians chapter 2. So the first thing is we need to understand our position. The second thing is we need to put off and put on. Sink into Christ. Sink into your true identity. The third thing is, uh, that we are to do is to pursue. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, it says this. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual. Your translation might say spiritual gifts, but the word gifts isn't there. It's just pneumaticos, which means spiritual. Pursue love earnestly desire the spiritual especially that you may prophesy and so there's an invitation for us the first thing that we're to do as we're pursuing our adventure is to remember that it's an adventure of love it's an adventure of first receiving the Father's love where the Father pours out His love upon us and we receive that by the Spirit that He pours out His love into our hearts and we know that we are loved and we are able to pour that love back onto Him. It's a journey of love to seek first the love of God and to experience Him. I love Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 and it says this, something along these lines anyway. It says, that, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in, here, come in and dine with him and he with me. In other words, what's on offer is fellowship that's love-based. 
It's the love of the Father, the love of the Spirit, the love of Jesus, having fellowship with each other. And in our love and our pursuit of God, what that leads to is our obedience. Because love is proved, or is the evidence of our love is our willingness to say yes and to be obedient. And so we're to pursue love first, first, first of all to pursue God's love. We've been talking about it in the last little while. Dunks preached a few weeks ago about one of our core values is to pursue God and to love God. But then not only to love, that let that love affect us, but it's actually then to let that love affect those around us, that we're to pursue the love of God that leads us to love our brothers and sisters, not tear them down or pull them apart. And then finally, to pursue that love that is the love of the lost, the love that the Father has, that he desires that none should perish, but all should come to eternal life, that we experience that love. And so for us, our adventure actually looks like receiving love, receiving the love of God, experiencing the love of God, walking in the love of God, cherishing the love of God, getting snugly with the love of God, allowing the love of God to transform us. What does your pursuit of love look like? What does your pursuit of the Father's love look like? Are you allowing him to love you? Are you receiving his love? Or are you just busy running around doing lots of things? Because he wants to pour out his love upon you. What's your love look like with other people around you when they annoy you? What does your love look like with your brothers and sisters, natural and spiritual? What does your love look like for the lost? Pursue love. But then the second thing within that pursuit is we're to eagerly desire, or the spiritual, especially that we would prophesy. The realm of the spirit, what Paul's saying is, look, there's a whole realm of joy and excitement and adventure that the Holy Spirit wants to release to you, which is actually a realm and adventure of love because the, the move of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit, they're actually all manifestations of the love of God. Not for us to look good, but for him to get glory. So are you desiring the realm of the Spirit? Are you seeking to prophesy and increase in your prophetic gift? Are you seeking for words of knowledge? Are you seeking word of wisdom? Are you seeking word uh, you know, for, the, um, for faith or healing or miracles or tongues or interpretation of tongues? Earnestly pursue them is what Paul's saying. You have a gift. You have the opportunity. Pursue it. I heard somebody say once before that pursuit is the evidence of desire. In other words, if you want something, you prove how much you want it by how much you go after it. And if I don't want anything, I'm not going to be bothered. So pursuit, pursue and earnestly desire the spiritual. The fourth thing is this. I want us to turn to Luke chapter 11. Um, the fourth thing is this, that, uh, that we are to persevere in prayer. Two Ps for the price of one. Okay, so in Luke chapter 11, Jesus is Jesus talking. And, and what he says, uh, the first part of it in verse 5 to verse 8, is he actually has a parable. And the parable is this, that he, there's a, a guy who has, a, has some visitors come late at night. He doesn't have any food. So he goes and he knocks on the neighbor's door. And he's like, hey, can you give me some food? And the neighbor's like, no, nah, I don't want to. I'm in bed with my kids. Leave me alone. But he keeps knocking and he keeps knocking and he keeps knocking. And Jesus says, you know, he's not going to get them because he likes him. He's going to get it because he just wants him to go away. Right? Now, God's not like that. But what he's saying to us is the, the invitation is to pray and to keep on praying. 
to pray until we see an answer, to pray and to persevere in prayer because it's a manifestation and a demonstration of our faith. And so in verse 11, verse, uh, we're going to look at verse 9. Jesus says, this is, this is an invitation. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I get so aware that it's easy to read the Bible and not be obedient to it. We read it like it's a manual, but we don't actually do anything with it. We read it like it's information. But this is actually a call to obedience when we read the Word of God. And so Jesus says this, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. It's an invitation. Ask, seek, find. If you ask, it will be given to you. If you seek, you'll find it. If you knock, it will be open to you. Why? For everyone who asks receives. Let me just make that really double clear, Jesus says. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be open to you. Now, it doesn't mean to say that every single one of our prayers is going to get answered in the way that we want them to be answered. But God's desire is to answer, his, his, answer our requests and our petitions. God's desire is to give us everything that we need for life and for godliness. And so Jesus goes on to compare us versus, G, versus the Father. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then you, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much are you asking for the Holy Spirit? In your workplace, in your family, in the mall, in the shopping center, the grocery store, in the car, probably definitely in the car. How, you, how much are you asking for the Holy Spirit? Because here's the promise. If you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you're going to find. If you knock, you're going to find that actually Jesus is already knocking on the other side. He's going to open the door and he's going to have fellowship with you. It's a promise. So we're to persevere in prayer. Let's quickly turn, over to, to, uh, turn back to Mark 11. I just want to pick up a couple of points from Mark 11. Mark 11, verse 24 and verse uh, 25. Jesus, again, this isn't just like, hey, this is a good idea. This is an invitation to obedience. Therefore, I tell you, whatever, 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 whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Have faith in God. So what's, there's some keys just here. Very quickly, I want to pull them out. The first thing is to decide what do you want. Whatever, Jesus says, whatever you ask, what do you want? Make a decision. What are you pursuing? What are you pressing on for? And here's a really good tip. Pursue the fire of God. Okay, so whatever, that's the first thing, decide. The second thing is ask. In, when you pray, ask, because Jesus wants to, the Father wants to give you the answer. When you, are, when you pray, ask. The third thing he wants you to do is to believe. In other words, have faith that your prayers are active and working and that he is listening to you and he actually wants to fulfill your prayer. The, third thing, the fourth thing is uh, believe that you have received it. So in other words, have a posture of faith of, I thank you that you hear me, I receive it right now. And the, fourth, the fifth thing is, it will be yours. You'll possess it, possess it in the spirit. And then the last thing is to forgive. Make sure that you forgive as you pray. So decide, ask, believe, receive, possess, forgive. 
be persevering in prayer. The final point, my final P is this, praise. So the one the Lord gave me this morning. And, you know, uh, last week um, I was, uh, my daughter Isabel, Izzy and I, she's our second daughter. She was, she's 24. She's moved to Mexico to be a missionary in Reynosa, Mexico. Uh, for a couple of years with a wonderful ministry called Kaleo International. And so we packed up her car um, and a U-Haul trailer and we drove down to Mexico. It was about 1,525 miles or something like that, I think, right? So, you know, we're having a great time going down through the mountains of, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, into Georgia. And uh, and all of a sudden, in the middle of like these roadworks where there's, you can't get off the road, uh, her automatic transmission temperature light comes on. We're like, like 250 miles into the 1,500-mile journey. So we're like, oh, better pull over. And as we're looking for somewhere to pull over uh, for the next exit, the, the check engine light comes on and the, all-wheel dr- the four-wheel drive light comes on and the traction control comes on. And I'm like, I don't know much about cars. I know very little about cars, but that can't be good. I almost called up one of my friends and go, help. But anyway, we pulled over and I called. Uh, the best, next best thing was AAA. And uh, we, we waited for about an hour and a half with the hood up. And I, I just want to say that Southern hospitality is alive and well. Certainly in Brasselton, Georgia. Thank you, Southerners. We had five different people come up and say, hey, you okay? Can I help you with anything? Come on. That's how to live, isn't it? And, um, and so we're like, yeah, we're good. We're waiting for the AAA. The AAA guy comes and we turn the car back on and all the lights have gone off and there's no lights. And we're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. He, he checks the transmission fuel, no, uh, oil, um, fluid thing. Yep. You see, very technical, aren't I? Very technical. And, uh, and he said, oh, it should be good. You should be fine. So we're like, okay, we better get going. So we drive through. By this point, we've waited an hour and a half. So we're now into uh, Atlanta in rush hour traffic. And you have to drive all the way through the middle of Atlanta. And it's five lanes either side. And it's like uh, just really crazy traffic. And you don't, you just, that's not the kind of place you want to stall, right? So we get into Atlanta, and, um, and I put my foot on the accelerator, and, and the car kind of goes, <laughs> and then, <laughs> nothing really happens. So I have to kind of put it into low range, hope it works, it works. When we stop, put it into park, put it back again, moves forward, and we kind of inch our way. We're literally in the car, Izzy and I, going, Jesus, we love you. I thank you that you're with us. And we drive 14 miles through Atlanta, barely making it because it's kind of hilly, right? And we get into, um, we get out back onto the freeway and like, yes, thank you, Jesus, you did it. But then all these people are flashing me and it's in the dark. So we're driving past and they're flashing me with their lights. And I'm like, huh, well, I guess the trailer, rear lights on the trailer don't work. So I, you know what I shall do is I, I can't stop because if I stop, I might not start again. So I'm going to just put my emergency lights on. So I drove for six hours in the dark with the emergency lights. Me, 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 me. I think I was saying to Izzy, I think I'm going to go to sleep. I'm just going to see green lights flashing. And we pull off, we had to go and get some gas as we, as we come down off the slipway on the freeway, we come down and the car's like, there's no power, there's no power. We get to the end, make a stop, have to put it into park, put it into drive, just ease over around the corner and like coast into the gas station. We made it, thank you Jesus. But we're in the middle of Alabama with nothing around us at all. So we wait, wait for a bit. I found some, some you know, WD-40 and I get the, the back of the, the trailer to work. Yes, I can do something. Yes. And, um, and so off we go without the emergency lights breaking, you know, flashing this time. But, we're, you know, we're driving and it's like well, one o'clock hour time, 
12.30 their time, whatever it was, 12 o'clock their time, we pull into the hotel that we were staying in, in Gulfport, Mississippi. We pull in, uh, well, it wasn't, it was like no power. I literally coasted into the, into the car park and came to a halt. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We're like, shakarabanda, yes, thank you, Jesus, you've made it. So we thought, you know, in the morning, we should probably go to look at the, the get, get it fixed. So I drive a little bit and there's, not, there's nothing going wrong with it. So I'm like, oh, maybe we can make it. But then, of course, it gets stuck and it gets hot in traffic and now we better stop. So we get there, uh, get to a garage and the guys, first, you know, we're there in line early just to make sure we're there. And, uh, and he says, yeah, I think I can take care of it. He pulls it up and says, oh, there's a, there's a, there's a fuel, um, no, a, a valve that's gone a bit wrong and we can fix it for you and we can flush it. And it looks a bit low and looks a bit black in, in the fluid. So we'll flush it for you and we'll fix it and it'll be $850. Okay, well, I guess we kind of do need to do that because, you know, we're not going to pedal to another, another 750 miles. So then, so we're like, okay, we wait until three o'clock in the afternoon, and at that point, I'm like, okay, we can't. We're not going to stay. We're not going to travel again. There's thunderstorms. There's snow. There's lightning. There's tornadoes. It's just like, okay, we'll just stay. So he says, look, we can find you a new a new transmission. It'll cost you somewhere between 500 and 1,000. It won't be new, but it will be new. You know, kind of new to you. So, sure. So we stayed another night in the hotel. And uh, in the night, I'm thinking to myself, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, hey, just get in the car and drive. It's going to be okay. So we get there in the morning. And my intention was to say, hey, let me just get in the car and drive. And he goes, well, problem with that, we, we took the transmission out in, tra- in, in preparation for the new transmission. So I'm like, oh, okay. So we've got to wait for an hour while the guy's you know, gone to find this transmission, only to find out the fact that it has water in it. And the guy says, I wouldn't touch that transmission. We can find you a different one. It will cost you $5,000 and you have to wait seven days. I'm like, uh, you know what? Just put the old transmission back in. We're going to just shundar all the way down. So we go and have some lunch. We're playing cards in a, in a, hotel, in a, in a cafe. We're just like killing time, waiting around. And, and we get back to the place. And um, Ramon was his name. And he said to me, you look, we couldn't fix it. Um, we tried to fix it before. The $850 didn't work. We couldn't get this thing. I can't charge you $850. I'm going to charge you $80. Shakarabanda, yes. So we're like, praise, praise, praise. So we get in the car and we drive off like 1.30 in the, in the afternoon for a 12-hour drive. And we're going to get into... We go through Louisiana, we go through Baton Rouge, which crosses the Mississippi. I don't know if you know Baton Rouge, but the Mississippi Bridge is like that, and then like that. And, um, and there's traffic, and so we're stuck in this traffic, and the thing won't go. And then when we get up over the bridge, I try and put it into fifth gear, and it st- gets stuck on fourth, and le- basically like slams me into the, you know, it's like so violent trying to get into it, stay in third, that it kind of, <laughs> we pull into a place called Jennings, Louisiana. Jennings to get some gas. I pull the hood open and there's oil spurting out in different places. I'm like, that doesn't sound good. Hey, Izzy, we're going to stay here overnight. So we stay overnight and um, in the morning we're up at like eight, seven o'clock in the morning because the, the garage opens at 7.30. So we get there, like we're waiting and at 7.30 the guy's like, hey, what you doing here? I'm like, oh, I'm here to get this fixed. He goes, well, only get, we only open at eight and we can't fix it for you. Okay. Well, uh, just so he has a look at it. He's a really wonderful man, Southern Hospitality. Thank you. Jeremiah was his name. And, um, and so he's like, yeah, you should be fine. Just go to the O'Reilly Auto Parts, get some quarts of, of, of you know, oil, and you'll be fine. So we get in the car, and we drive off another you know, seven or eight hours. And 
we're driving, we're driving, and it's all pretty good on the freeway. We get to McAllen, Texas to drop the trailer and then get across the border, and the car starts to freak out again because it's too hot and there's too much traffic. And we literally, we literally coast with no power the last 50 meters, 50 yards, up to the church building and come to a stop. And we're like, yeah, and the whole way we're just like praising and praying. And I remember this prophetic, this not this word, this not prophetic word, this story of a friend of ours, Duncan and I, in, in, uh, called Terrier in Niger. And he said he went eight hours into the bush, into the middle of nowhere in the Sahara Desert, and his car broke down. And so they started to worship. And every time they worshiped, the car started. And every time they stopped worshiping, the car stopped. So we're like, okay, we're not in Niger. We have gar- you know, garages, but we're like a thousand miles from home. So, caravan. You know, it's good experience for uh, our daughter to, uh, to experience as she's going into missionary life, right? <laughs> and so we get, we kind of cruise, we just about make it across the border. We get picked up by our friends there. We just about make it back to their place. And we're like, I don't know what is going on, but we, Lord, we just worship you. And, um, and so um, the guy, the mechanic there, he takes it out for the next, the next day for three hours and says, there's nothing wrong with it. I can't find what's wrong with it. Uh, he says, I think it's one of the sensors. So he, he changes, takes it down to the, the, the garage. The mechanic changes one of the wires. $80 later, the car's fixed. No problems at all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you to all of you that were praying. I know a number of you were praying for us. And, um, but here's, I, as I was preaching, didn't get a chance to share this in the first service, but as I was preaching last week in Mexico, in, in the second, in the afternoon, I felt like the Holy Spirit saying to me, you know, your gears have been slipping a little bit as well. I wanted you to get into full gear, but every now and again, you just kind of slip back. But the prophetic word that I heard Erica preach last, give us last week was that all the things that have been holding us back, the Lord's going to take over and do something for us. And so I actually believe that this, you know, our lives are a prophetic sign, right? That actually what the Lord is saying to, us, to me personally and maybe to some of you here is that actually those things that where we've been stuck in, not able to get into gear, he's now shifting us out of being stuck into a place of being fully alive and in gear with him. So here's my five points. Remember your position. Put off your old, put on the new. Pursue love. Persevere with prayer and live in praise because here's the reality of our life is just because things don't go right doesn't mean to say that God's not with us. Things just because we have difficulties and challenges, actually the Lord still remains faithful. And he's still with us and he's still working out his purpose for good. And he loves us. So I want to invite you to stand. There's a great adventure for you and I. There's a great adventure that the Holy Spirit wants to bring us into. Maybe it's not getting stuck on a freeway. Hope not. But maybe it's a new job that he's got for you where he wants you to be light into that that workplace. Maybe there's a, you're a business owner and he wants to give you strategy and wisdom that will actually cause your business to prosper and for the kingdom of God to be established. Maybe there's a, a, you're at university and he wants to release to you a new design or a, or a fix of a problem that no one's been able to get fixed, but the Lord reveals to you by the Spirit and you can bring a solution to a problem. Maybe you are a mom, you're at home looking after little kids and you, one of your kids is pulling your, you know, causing you to pull your hair out and you don't know what to do. But the Spirit of God, the adventure that he has for you is to, for you to press in and for him to release his life and his joy to you. 
Maybe you're in a process in difficulty in your marriage and you're, you're not sure what to do and there's some relational difficulties maybe in your family or, you know, the Holy Spirit, that's your adventure at the moment, but the Holy Spirit is with you to bring you into joy and into freedom and to release his life through you. So as we're standing, just I want, you to, I want to encourage you right now, ask the Lord for his adventure for your life. That you would step into that adventure and that he would release to you the fire of God. Now I find when I'm asking for something, if I don't ask my wife out loud and I just expect her to know, it doesn't go very well with me. But when I open my mouth and I ask her something, she's like, oh, that's what you're thinking. Sure, I'd love to do that for you. So at the moment, I've asked you to ask for something and I don't hear anything. So if you want to ask out loud, I mean, I know he is God and he's dwelling in you, dwelling in you and he knows everything about you. But, you know, he does say to pray and that is sometimes to actually use our voices. So why don't you lift your voices, ask him for adventure, ask him for the power of the Holy Spirit, ask him for the fire of God to fall upon you and make a decision in your hearts to pursue the Father, to pursue the Spirit, to pursue Jesus, to pursue His love and to pursue uh, the this realm of the Spirit that you would fulfill and live in the calling and the destiny that He has for you. Ask Him to fill you with His fire. Lord, we ask that you would fill us with your fire. The fire of God would fall upon us. The, the love of God would fall. And that we would be a people that are known to be solution-oriented, heaven-oriented, with the fire of God coming upon us. Lord, we're asking that you would purify our hearts. Asking that you would step us into your purpose and bring us into your purpose. Lord, we're asking that you would release your power in us and through us and to us. Lord, we're asking that you would release your promises. That you would cause prayer to come well up within us, that you would cause praise to come out of us despite the circumstances, Lord, that we would be a people that are on fire, living in your love, living in your goodness, living in your freedom, bringing about the kingdom of God everywhere that we go, Lord, in our uniqueness, in our destiny, in our purpose, in everything that you have purposed for us to do as individuals. Father, we're asking for that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.